What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Awakened Catholic Show. Yes, it is the definitive Awakened Catholic Show. We got a great episode coming up for you here today. With me is the one and only Keith Nestor. This is a guy that is saving the world one rosary at a time, and he's doing some absolutely awesome stuff. He's got an incredible family, touring the world, praying the rosary, changing hearts, saving lives. Uh, you might say he is the superhero that we need, even if he's oh, not the man. superhero we deserve. Let's get started. Man, what a joy to have you here with us at Awakened Catholic. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's yeah. incredible to be here. I mean, 24 hours ago, we didn't even know this was going to happen. So this is like the kingdom of God. I mean, Amen I to it. that. The Holy Spirit is at work in our church. And if uh, anyone was ever questioning that, the fact that Keith is here today with us on the Awakened Catholic show is all the evidence that you need for the existence of God. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Kevin, who's on our team, he's in the control room right now with Keith's family and Brenna. Um, Kevin texted me and he's like, hey, I just saw that Keith Nestor is going to be in Defiance, Ohio. Um, we should totally like reach out to him. And I was like, done. And I sent you a selfie video. I was like, Keith, I want to have you here at Awaken Catholic Studios. I'm going to treat you like the king you are. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I mean, that's we're, we're pretty low tech around my world. So this is, this is super awesome. And we're just privileged and honored to get to be here. I mean, I love what you guys have been doing. You know, of course, I have the app and I'm on there a lot. But to get to come and, and meet you in person, I'm all about the in-person stuff. I'm sick and tired I agree of all this you. virtual junk that we have to do. And I even told you in that video yeah. I saw you, I was like, you know, we could always do this you know, virtually, oh. but if you came here, it'd be way better. Yeah, amen. I'm, I'm all about that, you know, because I'm just, I like being with people and I like getting to experience what you experience and, and see your world and, yeah. and uh, just get to be together. It's been great, you know, but it's, it's kind of unusual right now, but we it just really said, is. we don't care. We're going. I, beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, I want to get into a little bit about what you guys are doing, but sure. before we do that, I got to let the people know that if you you're viewing, you're listening, you're experiencing the Awakened Catholic show right now, and you're excited to, to get in on what Keith's story is, what Keith is doing with his family. Um, if you want to support the work that we're doing here, I want to invite you to join the Awakened Nation. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you uh, who love to see uh, evangelization happening, who love to see people's hearts changed. Maybe your own heart, maybe your own life has been impacted by any of the work that Awakened Catholic is doing. If you want to uh, consider making Awakened Catholic part of your tithing. You should join the Awakened Nation for the price of a small cup of coffee a week, or if your bladder can handle it, a bigger one, um, you know, the bladder or the budget. Uh, feel free to check out awakencatholic.org slash donate to become a part of the Awakened Nation. And people, members of the Awakened Nation also get cool access uh, to exclusive content that we put out just for the nation. Just this week, Mike Tenney, the host of Pop Culture Catechism, did uh, a U2 cover concert uh, that was just provided to the Awakened Nation, and um, that was, you know, in celebration also of his episode with Christopher West on Pop Culture Catechism. Make sure to check that out. And then, you know, uh, where can you get the best Awakened Catholic content? Where can you interact with people uh, without all the tax toxic bullcrap that you find on social media? The Awaken app. Keith just made a reference to it. He's on the app. You could be on the app. Maybe you are in the app. And if you're not on the app, you should fix that by visiting theawakenapp.io or looking for Awaken Catholic in the app store of choice for you. Um, and not only is it like a social media alternative and got a, a great hub for the Catholic content that we're putting out here, it's also got a music library. It's got a prayer library. 
and we're constantly working to to build upon what the app already is to make it better and better every day. Woo! All right, man. One last thing I got to tell you guys about. Uh, we, we have some big events coming up here soon. Uh, Brenna, if we could switch to the events here. Uh, why be Catholic? If you've ever asked yourself this question or if you've had other people ask you this question, this is the event for you. It features Bishop Daniel Thomas and Jason Everett. Uh, it's going to be on May 21st, and it's going to be at the Pinnacle. Check it out. If you reserve your spot ahead of time, you can pay whatever you want to pay, whether that's one penny or $1,000. If you're on the $1,000 side, maybe visit your doctor and get a CAT scan. Um, but pay what you want like this is not something we're trying to get you know revenue from this is something that we want to fill the seats to change lives it's an event like this that changed my own life back in the day and i know that the that god is going to do some amazing things here so make sure to come make sure to invite as many people as you can this this could really be a life-changing event and then the second event the very next day is called sex love and porn fighting the war against lust and pornography uh with jason ever as well this is this is his bread and butter bread and butter am i using that term right this is this is his wheelhouse this is what jason ever does you think of Jason Everett, you think about chastity, you think about purity, you think about theology of the body. This is the stuff that you, you this is so important. In my own life, uh, fighting this war and finding healing in these areas was incredibly important. So that's why it was so important to me to bring this event here. Uh, bring, uh, check this out. Invite everybody. There isn't anybody in the world that these topics do not affect. Sex, love, and porn. Uh, registration and information for both events can be found at awakencatholic.org. Whew, that is it. You guys got a lot going on. We do, yeah. And I'm, I didn't even talk about the pilgrimages and the man. There's, there's so much. There's so much. That's incredible. You know, I, I remember when you sent me a message about the app, and I, I mean, I get a lot of stuff sent to me about, hey, try this, do that, look mm-hmm. at this, look at that, and 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 I always try to at least take a look at stuff. But what, right when I went to your app, I was like, this is different. You know, this, oh really? This, yeah, I was like, this is really cool, and it didn't look like some kind of you know homemade thing that that was just thrown together. I was like, this is really clean. It's, it's nice. It, it looks good. So I instantly signed up and thank you, man. And I like to, a lot. Per, I like to peruse the content. Yeah. So, I didn't ask yeah. him to say this. This was not, uh, you know, provocated by me. No, it's so. true, man. I, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. Thank it's you. Great. That means a yeah. lot. Yeah. Thank you. So, so Keith, we got, we got to talk about some sure. stuff here, man. You, you are, um, such an interesting person. You have an incredible YouTube channel, such great content. Oh, thank and, you. I, and I want to get into, you know, you got a book that we have here. We'll talk about yeah. this in a little bit. Um, but to lay the groundwork, to get some context, Sure. We got we to gotta address the person of Keith Nestor. Okay. Well, the person, the man. There's really nothing that exciting about me as a guy. I'm well, just, I you disagree. Know, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I grew up in the church, my in the in the Methodist church, Protestant church. My dad is a, is a pastor. Was he's retired now? And so a lot of like a lot of people. I, I grew up in the you know 80s and 90s youth group culture kind of a thing. Knew nothing about the Catholic Church. None, none of that kind of stuff. Everything I knew about it, I learned from people who were anti-Catholic, mm. but I really like didn't go on this quest for knowledge about the Catholic Church as a kid. I just, it just had no place in my life, and it wasn't until I had gone into ministry uh, as a youth pastor and had started to see some some growth in that in that ministry, and I reached out to a guy who was a graphic designer, and he was a very is was slash is a very strong Catholic guy. And when we sat down and met just like this, I had noticed that he had this incredible relationship with God, mm. but yet we were sitting in his house and it was filled with all this Catholic looking stuff. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't understand this at all. You have to explain this. Forget about the design stuff right now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? Cause my first thought was when I met this on fire guy, Hey, I need to, I need to get him like working with my youth group, you know, and he's Catholic. That'll be easy. I can show him a couple Bible verses and mm-hmm. he will instantly, 
ditch all that Catholicism stuff yeah, and yeah. become, you know, part of my team. But it wasn't so easy and right. he because he knew his faith. And he began to challenge me with some incredible ideas and some credible, ins, incredible insights about the Catholic faith that just blew my mind. So that opened up this entire world of, you know, Catholic apologetics and learning about the saints. And it was a long process for me, but ultimately... I resigned my position in a in a church after about 22 years of professional full-time ministry wow. in 2017 to become Catholic. And that was like a big deal for me to like set that stuff aside and join the church, but I was so excited about it because I had everything I had been learning about and experiencing in the Catholic Church. I I was was so excited about all of this incredible stuff, but the thing about it most of all was not so much about an argument or a theological idea. It was just, I felt the calling of God Mm. into this. And that was the hardest part because I was scared to follow him into that because all the things I would have to, to leave behind in order to do it. Oh yeah. So, you know, a lot of times people ask me, Hey Keith, what was the theological issue that convinced you to become Catholic? And I have a lot of those things that I, that I deal with, um, you know, the, the authority of the church, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, which for me was a was a something that brought me into the church. For a lot of people, it's like keeps them away. Yeah, and it was for a little while, but I had some pretty awesome things that happened with with her. But to me, it was more about the practical reality of what is my calling as a Christian look like, and can I fulfill that right. as a Catholic? And I I finally got to a point where the Lord was just like, look. You need to stop drawing lines around your obedience. Mm. You need to stop oh. saying. You need to stop saying, "I'll follow you as long as you can understand it." Because that was kind of the thing for me, uh, Nick. Was I was like, I want to be obedient to Jesus. I want to follow. Him. I want to give my whole life. And I had gotten to a point where I believed the Catholic Church was true, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if I could do it mm. because I was scared. Yeah, as lame as that sounds, no, I, that's I was, a very real thing. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, when you're in ministry as a job and a career, and you got three kids and a wife yeah. and a mortgage and all that, you know, it's not just like going well. Okay, we're just going to go through this class and become Catholic. Now, it was my whole life, right? And I remember having an experience one night where I had gone to this mass, and it was a whole whole other deal. But I was wrestling with this idea of can I do this. And I, I remember going up to receive my little blessing, you know, because I couldn't mm-hmm. receive the Eucharist, even though I believed that the Eucharist was true. And I knelt and I looked up at the crucifix after I received my blessing. I hit, I just hit my knees right there and I looked up at the crucifix and I prayed this prayer. I said, Jesus, if you want me to become Catholic, I will do it, but you've got to make a way, you know, you've got to yeah. make a way. I just can't just, what am I going to do? You yeah. know? And, and. I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh, I woke up today and the Lord said, eat bacon instead of ham. You know, I don't have that kind of relationship with God like some people do. But but God really spoke to me that night from the crucifix. I'm looking at the crucifix, okay? People are receiving the Eucharist right next to me, and I'm praying, God, I, I want to become Catholic. I'll do it. Make a way. And, and Jesus spoke to my heart. He said, I am the way. You don't need me to make a way. You just need me. Oh my gosh, that is so. Good. You know, that was like the most profound thing that that was spoken to my heart. Was like, I'm the way, the truth, and life. John fourteen six. I knew that verse like the back of my hand. But wow. now, what he's saying to me is, this isn't about like a plan or a set of of instructions about. Well, here's what's going to happen, Keith. He already knew that. Yeah. 
I wanted to know it, mm-hmm. but I but he didn't care that I. He just said, "Look, you need to follow me for me, not for what you think is going to happen if you do, mm-hmm. or what you think won't happen, or just any kind of that." And I find that to be the case so oftentimes that people want to know what God wants them to do, but we aren't willing to do the things that we know He wants us to do. Right now, we yep. want everything laid out. And that was certainly me for a long time. Yeah. But when I was just willing to let that go and just say, okay, God. And, and, you know, I think Jesus calls that walking by faith, not by sight. That was when this peace came over me of this is what you need to do. And no, I'm not going to tell you all the pieces. It's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be. Because I think, you know, one of the things that we like to live in the world of is if I become a Christian, I really fully dedicate my life to God. The more I have given over to God, the better my life will become, the easier my life will become because we equate a lot of the garbage that happens to us with our own, you know, going wayward, which is true. Yeah. You know, we, we, we create a lot of messes for ourselves in that Nick, but, and we sometimes think that Jesus is the answer to those things. Mm -hmm. If I just follow Jesus, everything will be easy. Awesome. (laughs) And, but you know, and many of you guys know too, Sometimes the testimony of my life was a disaster. I met Jesus. He fixed it. Sometimes that works in reverse. I had everything yeah. figured out. Life was going great. I messed. I, I met Jesus. He messed it all up. Yeah. You know, yep. and that's, that's what I had to be ready for. So yeah. I, I went home that night and I, I just told my wife, I said, Hey, I got to become Catholic. I got to do this. I didn't know what she would do. Wait, there was no, like, there was no groundwork laid on that well, conversation or there was, I mean, we had, she had known that I was really wrestling with this okay. for a while. And she was a little bit like, okay, I don't know if this is really actually going to happen because mm-hmm. my wife was raised Catholic, but they never really went to church. You know, she went to yeah, Catholic yeah. grade school. But when we met, one of those people, yeah, it's like it's like, it's like the people that you run into now that like yeah. that they want to tell you, well, I know everything about Catholicism because I was raised Catholic, but exactly. they never they don't know anything. Yeah. You know, she she grew up in the Catholic school, but had no real experience of Catholicism that was good. Mm-hmm. She had some bad experiences, and when her and I met. When we were like, you know, 19 years old, I said to her, hey, are you a Christian? Because I really wanted to date her. You know, I'm like, but I I wanted to like leave that to guys. Are you a Christian? And she's like, well, I'm Catholic. I said, do you go to church? She's like, no. So I'm like, come to church with me. So we went to this mega church that I was going to in Philadelphia. And she was like, this is cool. Mm -hmm. What's this? What do I do about my Catholic faith? I'm like, forget about that. (laughs) So then 20 years later, 22 years later ish. Now I'm telling her, I'm starting to realize that there's some truth in the Catholic Church that's drawn me to it. Mm-hmm. She was kind of like, okay. Well, when I finally told her, you know what she said to me? She said, and I knew that she wasn't on that, in that spot of like, I want to become Catholic too. But she said, Keith, if that's what God's calling you to do, then that's what God's calling us to do. Oh man. And I trust you and that's I trust beautiful. God's working in your heart. So yeah. if that's what, if that's what you feel like is the right thing. Then whatever. Now she has her own story about course, how, yeah. for her, that was what she was willing to do, but it was a struggle because she didn't feel that pull towards the Catholic Church mm-hmm. at the time. And that that really says something about her response to you about you know if, if that's what you think we got to do, like you know what you said about not drawing lines around our obedience yeah. is so huge, and it's so easy to fall into that trap of like, yeah, I love Jesus, yeah, I follow Jesus, yeah, I don't commit these sins that these other people that are worse than right. you. Um, but like, there's almost a higher calling when you are someone that, that knows like who Jesus is meant to be for us. There's a higher calling to obedience and to trust and to like putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak. And like, if Jesus calls you to 
you know, take your son Isaac up a mountain mm -hmm. and kill him. And, and Isaac is this thing that's so precious and treasured. And, you know, you, you guys, you and your wife struggled with fertility for so many years, and now you have a son, and then God says, kill your son. Exactly. <laughs> like, are you willing to release and be completely obedient, completely surrender to God's will? Or are you going to, like, hang on to certain things that are particularly precious to you? Because God would never actually want me to get rid of this thing. God would never actually want me to give up this son that we worked so long to, to you know, waited so long to have. Um, and then and then I love the contrast, too, then with your wife's response, like, yeah, if that's what God's telling you, then let's do it. Well, it was it, the Abraham Isaac thing means a lot to me because there were a couple moments in my life where that exact idea really changed things for me. You know, first, when I first was willing to go into ministry, you know, that was not the plan for my life at all. I was a I was a drummer in a rock band. I moved out to Philadelphia to play drums in a band. That's awesome. It was it was everything about my life was about playing the drums and music. And God used that story of Abraham and Isaac to get me to be willing to lay that down for wow. him. Yeah. So then it was like I had this baby of of my ministry. Now is God calling me to give this up? And and there was a period earlier in my life, right when I first started learning about the Catholic Church, where I really felt the call to join and I didn't do it because I was too afraid. Mm. And I was I was terrified of what I would miss out on if I was obedient to God and became Catholic. So I didn't do it. I hadn't been talking to my wife about it at that point in time because I was I was afraid to freak her out. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I had this moment where I felt like God was calling me to do it. I didn't do it because I was scared and I wasn't willing to give up that baby of ministry yep. because it doesn't compute. You're like, yeah. well, God put me in ministry. If I do this Catholic thing, of course, we tell ourselves these weird ideas that I could never do ministry again if I become Catholic and I'm not a priest. Right. So I didn't do it. And then you know, my life kind of took a dark turn after that for a few years, and I was really struggling with a lot of things in life. And it was we came through some pretty dark times in our marriage and in our life and in ministry. And it was a resurgence of this that took place about 10 years after that. And then when, when this came around the second time, Nick, I got to a place where, you know, being a little older and seeing some some different things in life, I was more afraid of what I would miss out on if I was disobedient to God mm. rather than if I was obedient to God. And that's a crucial place I think that we have to get to in our walk with God yes. because we still think that when we can control everything and do it our way, it's going to be better. Right. You know, like <laughs> I well, know better. Than I know God. better than God. I mean, how ridiculous. <laughs> but what what we learn sometimes through heartache and through through pain is that. When we take control of our lives, that is, you know, long term, not a good plan. Yeah. But when we turn our lives over to God, even if we have to walk through some tough stuff, even if we have to sacrifice, that ultimately God's way is the best way. Yes. You know, Amen. not necessarily the easiest, yeah. but absolutely the best. And I feel like a huge part of our struggle with obedience has to do with where we find our identity. Oh, huge. Um, you know, yeah. I was just hearing you talking and I was just like. Uh, the Lord was speaking into my heart this idea of drawing a line in the sand, right? Like similar to, you know, putting lines around our obedience. Like, you know, it's so easy to get to this place where we, we put these stakes in the ground. Like I am, in, in your story, I'm going to translate, you know, I am uh, a minister, I'm a preacher, and I provide for my family through this. And so I'm going to maybe ignore the call that God has put in my heart yeah. for X number of years because this is who I am. Uh, I'm a minister. And, I, you know, this is how I know to provide for my family. And I, I, I've heard so many stories of people that, like, even to this day, people I care about where it's like, well, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, even if God might, like, it's just, it's not even open for conversation whether or not God is maybe calling me to become Catholic because I am this and I'm this old. And yeah, like God wouldn't want me to change that 
and maybe even not to the point of saying God wouldn't want me to change that because you aren't even willing to ask the question whether or not God would want you to change that. You know, like there's even for myself, like I heard, you know, you were just saying like you were originally trying to be a rock star drummer and all yeah. that stuff. Dude, that speaks to me too. Like I was literally studying to become a professional opera singer. And when I had my huge, uh, you know, St. Paul moment and converted and like was trying to figure out what does it look like to no longer live to to glorify my own name and see my name in big lights but what does it look like now to live to glorify the name of the lord i had to literally drop out of opera school and put all of that behind me i didn't do music for a little bit of time because i didn't know how to do it without glorifying myself like wow it, it's i resonate so much with what you're describing yeah and we we have to we have no idea the riches and and the goodness uh, and the life that is in store for us if we're willing to let go. Like, I would never go back and and change what I did. Um, could I have become some huge opera singer? I'm not trying to be vain, but maybe. Like, it's not that hard. You have to be at least okay at it and then learn some fundamentals and have a timbre in your voice that doesn't suck. And, yeah, you could become a professional opera singer, even if that means, uh, uh, you know, some lower uh, salary and doing it at some opera house in some city. Like, you can make money off that, make a living off of it. Or you can go further. Could that have been my life? And would that have been my life? Yes. But man, I'm so glad it wasn't. I'm <laughs> so Lord, glad yeah. it wasn't. Amen. Yeah. Um, but all it takes is like letting go of the ninja grip we have on our lives. And wow. Yeah. That, that, the thing that you said about identity is so huge because that's ultimately, I think, what drives a lot of who we are is how we perceive our identity. And yeah. I know for me, that was it, man. That was like, no, this is what I do. My identity in ministry was was everything. But what ended up happening was, you know, when left to your own devices, that is a dangerous thing, mm. especially if you become good at it. Yeah. Which is kind of what happened to me. You know, I had a, this youth group that started with 12 kids, grew to like 300 kids every Wednesday night mm -hmm. in a church of 250. So it was a small church that became a big church because of our youth ministry. And it was great. But but because that was my identity was I was this, you know, this successful youth pastor, pastor, whatever. I wasn't taking care of my heart. And a lot of things happened that that, you know, I look back on now and go, man, if I had a healthier identity, I think I would have been saved from a lot of things. And I recognize right in the middle of that, right before everything kind of blew up is when the, my first calling of God to the Catholic faith happened and I, I walked away from it. Well, having gone through some of that stuff, realizing, because I took a break from ministry for a couple of years, you know, from church ministry anyway. And I realized it was like, my identity can't be found in what I do. Mm. And I think the Catholic faith has such a healthy view of that because in Catholicism, you know, our vocation is not about our job. Right. It's about our calling, but it's all rooted in in what Christ has called us to be in our lives. But it isn't about, well, are you an insurance salesman? Mm -hmm. Are you a firefighter? Are you a musician? It's about, you know, are you married? Are you religious in that sense? You know, I used to think right, that right. meant like, wait a minute, aren't we all religious? But yeah. no. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, have I given my life in this unique way to serve God? Yeah. But if you're not in that, your identity isn't found in what you do to pay the bills. Your identity is found in your relationship to God and in his church and, and yeah. the calling, which I think is so awesome. And the other dynamic at play there with the identity is like the expectations that we feel from other people for our lives. Oh, yeah. Right. So like going back to my opera thing, like, man, growing up, 
um, you know, in, especially starting in high school, like I just became known locally here in our town. And then for my family, I became known as the opera kid and I was going to be like the next Josh Groban. And, and like that was literally like there were articles written about that. And that's like this huge pressure that was put on me that I was all about. I'm all about being, oh, the next You're Josh like, Groban. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and then in my family, like, uh, my great grandfather was some, this huge famous opera singer in Venezuela. And like, that's just, that's always been a part of our family. And I was going to be the one to carry that torch forward. And, um, and you know, you know that on some level, I, I know that on some level there's family that even though they don't say it and they still love me and they support me, like there, there are people that are like, wow, what Nick could have been. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's heavy. It's heavy. And I'm like, yes, what Nick could have been. And maybe gone to hell, you know, like mm. if, if I can have all the success in the world, but I do not have a, a deep and profound intimate relationship with God that, you know, through living a sacramental life and through giving up vanity and through giving up pride, like if that is not there, if, if I'm super successful, but I end up in hell, I lost, I lost the game. I when would you think rather, of the words of our Lord. He says, you know, what does it profit a man yeah. to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I mean, yeah. Jesus yeah. had these things. I would rather know? be this big running an organization that doesn't feature my name in, in big, you know, letters and lights. I would rather be this big, run an organization that serves the Lord, what, what he's called me to at the yeah. present. Um, this is what I want. I don't want to be recognized. I want to like just serve, make my life completely about him. If I died tomorrow, know that like I said yes to God. And I let go of my ninja grip. Yeah, that's that's huge. The the Bible story that Jesus talked about that really resonates with me in that is the whole idea of the man who found the treasure hidden in the field. Oh, yeah. I talk about that when I give my conversion story a lot because what I like about that story is that there's this incredible treasure, but you have to sell all you have to get it. And then it's not over. It's not like, okay, here it is. You see it, yeah, right? Because the treasure's where? It's buried in the ground. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like you can look at the two things and make that comparison mm -hmm. and go, hmm, I kind of like that. I can examine that, wrap my mind around that, touch it, feel it. Okay, that's that. And then here's all the stuff I have. Which do I like better? I can weigh them. I can compare them. No. The treasure is deep in the ground and you have to sell everything you have to buy the field and then you have to dig for it to get to it. That's hard work. There's sweat, there's yep. pain, there's, there's, you know, sacrifice and then you get the treasure. But I love what Jesus says. He says that man in his joy yeah. dug that field. And to me, that's like what I've really experienced is, is everything that I had to, when I, when I finally did become Catholic and had to, for me, that treasure in many ways was my identity, you know, it's like, okay, I'm selling that stuff to get this, to get this treasure. The Lord just needed me to get to a place where I was willing to say, my identity is not found in mm -hmm. Keith, the ministry guy, Yeah, you know, it's found in, in Jesus. Yeah. And it was interesting because when I finally started living that way, I was way more at peace so happy to be in the Catholic church. Mm. So, and it didn't matter what I was doing for a job. Oh man. I was just like, this is, this is where I want to be. And my priest said to me, you know, cause he, he knew where I came from. He helped me kind of make that transition. Um, and he said to me, Keith, I'm going to leave you alone for a year. Yeah. He, and he told me, he said, I don't want you giving talks. I don't want you writing anything. I don't want you trying to do any kind of public ministry stuff for a year. Because I think that's a, that's a temptation. A lot of converts have, especially that have been in ministry is, 
And I talk to a lot of guys in this situation who are like, all right, I'm going to become Catholic next year. I'm going to write a book, make a podcast, make a video, do all this. And it's like all of this activity around that, which, and I would never tell somebody what to do or not to do. That's yeah, between yeah. them and God. But sometimes if they ask me, I say, you know, maybe you just need to take a year and chill. Yeah. And not worry about how to tell that story, mm-hmm. live that story for a while yes. so that you can really accurately talk about it from a standpoint of having experienced it. And so when he said that to me, I I didn't look at that as, oh man, that's not cool. I looked at it as, really? Yeah. I can do that? It's like an opportunity. I can just be a guy yeah. who goes to mass and I don't have to worry about anything. I can just like live into this. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible year, Nick. I, I loved like every part of it. I that's also so telling with, with how unique everyone's journey is. Like yeah. every person is different. Every person has a different background. And, you know, you needed that. You were a preacher. You were, you yeah. were in the limelight. You were a servant of God in a very visual way, very prominent in your community. And God wanted to like build a new foundation. And I think that in your context, that's like exactly, and there are many people that follow, you know, coming from the same place that, that maybe need the same thing, but aren't given that that great advice. And there are other people that are, we're not as visible. We're not preaching or whatever. And like, you know, it's not going to be like as, as, as necessarily a, uh, a blatant choice to not be in the limelight, to not be, because they yeah. just aren't, yeah. you know, and, and so God can just keep working. Uh, but there's no cookie cutter journey. There's no cookie cutter solution. And I think one of the other things that happens is we see, um, you know, we get on fire for Jesus and then we start to see the people around us that are on fire for Jesus or the people that are in the limelight or whatever. And we think, okay, the next step is to be that. And yes, that's not the case. Like the next step is keep praying, keep, keep listening to God and his guidance. Like, gosh, I've worked, I worked so many years in parish ministry and at the diocese and like, it's just so rampant and it's so sad how quickly we plunge people into a a ministry that they are not ready for. Like you got to keep building that relationship, um, and, and developing and, 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 uh, you know, forming yourself intellectually and and in prayer. Um, and so we, we just, we shouldn't, you know, even look at other people, even those of us who are now, we've been Catholic and whatever and think, I want my Catholicism, I want my service to the Lord to look like that person because, man, that looks good, you know? Well, right. No, right. God's got a whole unique thing for you. Just keep praying, keep listening, keep talking, um, you know, to, to the Lord, I mean. And uh, and I think that it's just so important to, like, release that, that vanity and the pride of, like, oh, I, I, I want to be like that minister. I want to be like this person's journey. I want my journey to look like that. Um, you know, and as, as Catholic content creators, like we are, it's so easy to accidentally be doing that, you know, it's so easy to see another YouTube channel from another content creator and be like, oh, why, why, why doesn't, why don't I have as many subscribers as that person? Or why don't, you know, yeah. it's like do, do what God is calling you to do. He, he called you to obedience, not success. That's, that's so interesting because people look at me sometimes. And I, I remember when I first became Catholic, I didn't really like know anybody in the church. I mean, I had a few friends, but in in our local church, I didn't really know a lot of people. So it was kind of easy for me just to be there and not worry about, but then people would talk to me a little bit. And then it was amazing how many people would say, oh, well, you know, you're going to be like Scott Hahn. Right. You're going to be like this guy <laughs> or you're going to be that guy. And I remember thinking, and I love, I love all those guys. Yeah. I remember thinking, well, I, I just couldn't see that happening. I, I remember being like, no, I'm just going to be me. And, I, you know, I, I did give one or two talks in that first few months because I had a couple of Catholic people in my life that really had been praying for me for years. And they were like, will you come and just share where you are? So I did a couple little things, but I never, ever set out to have like a YouTube channel right. or any kind of public ministry. That wasn't something that we sat down and said, all right. 
how do we do this? I didn't call people and go, all right, so what did you do? And how did you make that happen? And right. what's the game plan? I mean, literally, my my YouTube stuff started because I gave a couple talks and they sent me the files and I didn't even know what to do with them. Mm. So I just I had a YouTube channel that I had used for a couple little things and I just parked them there. And I mean, now it's like I study all this stuff about how to grow YouTube and everything. All I did for my description, and if, if any of you guys are like YouTube nerds out there, my, my first description for my conversion story literally just says, Protestant becomes Catholic. That was it. <laughs> I didn't have any tags. I didn't, I didn't have a thumbnail. I didn't do anything like that. Yeah. And I just forgot about it, you know? And I, I never once thought in a million years that that was going to be a thing for me, mm. you know? It was, I just, I just, I literally spent the entire day driving around visiting photography studios because when i after i quit my job in the methodist church um i you know my wife and i had a photography business i went into that full time and then i started working for um other things within that industry and i was a traveling like consultant to photographers so i was i had been all day traveling around meeting with photographers with the guy who was my boss at the time who's an ex-catholic by the way and i said hey come to me i gotta so we're nearby i gotta go give a talk in this church will you just come and he's like, all right. So we rolled up. I walked in. I gave this talk. All these people showed up. I couldn't believe it. And then the next day I went back to work and, and didn't even <laughs> think about it, you know. And, and it's, just, it's just crazy. But I guess my point in all that is to say what I, what I usually tell people that are thinking about all this stuff is, look, you've got to get your identity with God mm-hmm. and your identity as a new Catholic. That's got to be the foundational thing. And then let God figure stuff yes. out for you. Don't don't try to create this plan of all the stuff that you need to do and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, and and if that's what you want, I mean, okay, I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that, but there's a big difference between people who want to try to do all this stuff for God and people who just say I want to be a person who God can do things through. Mm. You know, and I've always yes. believed that strongly. One of my good friends is a Protestant pastor. He says that all the time in his sermons. He says God isn't looking for people to do things for him. He's looking for people who he can do things through. Yes. And I think that's so true in our ministry lives. I mean, and that doesn't mean that you just sit around and do nothing and just wait for like someone to show up at your house with a video camera and say, "Hey, let's make a video" or whatever. But there's a difference between saying, God, I will follow you and serve you and give you my life, even if I never talk about it with anybody publicly, yep. versus, all right, what do I have to do to become like Scott Hahn or any, you know, insert name here to anybody else that you right. want to be? Yeah, amen, man. Um, I think that's a perfect segue okay. into the Kerygma speed round. I got to say it like that because we don't have like a little <laughs> oh, okay. transitional video for that yet, but it's coming. It's coming. All right. All right. Are you ready for the Kerygma speed round? I'm ready, man. Okay. First question. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus is the son of God. The, the, he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is, he is our savior, our Lord. He's our creator. Mm-hmm. He is the second person of the Trinity. And for me, he's the Lord of my life. That's beautiful. Amen. Amen to that. That 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 answer really hasn't changed since I became Catholic. I mean, that's that's what he was before. That's what he is. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you know from before, you're welcome for the word Trinity. Yes, um, I love it because it's Catholic. Uh, Amen. So, question number two: yeah. What is your sales pitch or your elevator pitch mm. for a life with Jesus? For a life with Jesus, man, my elevator pitch, I guess, would be to say that Jesus is is who created us, and we aren't going to experience fulfillment in this life until. Until we are operating according to our created purpose, which is to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that we do in our life is going to seem 
and B, ultimately meaningless unless it's rooted and grounded in him. Mm. And he rose from the dead. I mean, that's the bottom line. Like people go, oh, that's your religious experience. A lot of people have religious experiences. What makes yours any better than mine? Well, Jesus Christ actually physically rose from the dead. It's a historical objective fact. It's not just kind of this idea that we dreamt up. It really happened, which proves that he is who he said he was. Preach it, baby. Yeah. All right. I love that. Question number three. What's your elevator pitch for life specifically as a Catholic? As a Catholic, absolutely. Okay, so Jesus Christ didn't just come to give us a bunch of knowledge and then disappear and say, figure it out. Mm-hmm. He came to to redeem us and to guide us into all truth, which was the, the promise that he said would happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And But he also came to establish a church by which we can fully live out the life of our faith. It's clear to me in Scripture and in history that that he gave us this church and this authoritative structure so we could actually know what the Christian church teaches and what the Christian faith even is. If we don't have the church, then basically what we have is our own opinions about it, and we got to try to figure this out on our own, which I spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, the, the the Catholic understanding of the faith makes so much more logical sense thinking about and reading it in the text about why Jesus says, you know, if you have a conflict or some place where you're not agreeing with each other, take it to the church. Mm-hmm. And what does St. Paul say? He says that the pillar and foundation of the truth is the church. Yep. So to me, that the only church making those claims really, you know, is the Catholic Church. Like you yeah. could argue for the Orthodox Church, but at that level, you know, it's yeah. kind of the same thing. But, but, um, and then of course, when you look at the activity of Christ in the Catholic Church today. To me, it's just, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, there's so much good stuff happening. It's really yeah. amazing. And and I, I really do, if you take like an overall look at everything, like you're saying, like it is so powerful to see how God is working. Well, and to me, like a lot of people say, well, I love Jesus. I don't need the Catholic Church. To me, I go, okay, I get that you love Jesus. But if you really love Jesus, then you will want to follow everything he says, everything he taught, everything he set up for you. So to me, I connect those two things. I don't say, well, I really love Jesus and, you know, yep. and I have to be catholic like to me being catholic was the result of loving jesus amen absolutely that's beautiful great job that was a beautiful charisma speed round i'm not good at answering fast questions no so no no that was it. that was beautiful that <laughs> okay. was so good um all right i want to get back into your story a little bit so sure. so tell me you, you were a preacher yeah you're you're working at uh you know a few different churches and you're you're preaching on sundays and all you know through this time you're like you're you're really thinking about Catholicism. You're yeah. struggling with this. Um, what is it like standing up in front of people and talking to them about Jesus, but feeling like you're only revealing a part of what you feel God has given you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, thankfully, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in that world because once I became con- pretty convinced that, okay, I've got to become Catholic, this is true. The, the church that I was in, our senior pastor, I, I was open with him. He's a friend of mine. So I sat down with him. I said, look, I feel, I feel like God's calling me to become Catholic. And we talked about it. And he was like, well, his answer to me was interesting. He said, maybe what you should do is preach a sermon series because him and I, we team taught. So we were like, we rotated every week and we would create the sermon series together. He says, I want you to, to write and preach a sermon series on the history and nature of the Christian church. <laughs> right after I told him I was thinking about becoming Catholic because I was believing in the papacy. Oh my and gosh. I said, I said, are you serious? You want me to talk about that? I don't know that you're going yeah, like to like what I have And here's what he said. Oh my gosh. He said, Keith, if that's the truth, then don't you want to tell our people that? Wow. Yeah. 
Is he Catholic now? No. Okay. No, he's not. <laughs> but he basically opened the, the the door and he said he said, "Tell people what you're learning. Tell people what you're discovering. If that's where if that's what you feel like the Lord's opening, he goes, "I don't want you to 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 hold anything back." Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't stand up and say, "All right, today's sermon series is about why Keith is thinking about becoming Catholic." Right, right. But I preached about the nature of the church. I preached about Matthew 16. I preached about the Eucharist. I preached about uh, the papacy and, and all these things. And, and in particular, I mentioned earlier that some stuff happened with Mary with me was I was tasked to preach the first two weeks of a, an Advent sermon series that we titled, Who Gets the News? And it was about when people found out that Jesus was coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. So week one, Zechariah. Okay, Luke chapter one, where the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and gives him the news. What's Gabriel's response? Uh, what's Zechariah's response to that news? Right, that he's going to have a baby. He's, he doesn't believe it. Right. So Gabriel gets really ticked off at him and makes it so he can't speak. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I preached about that. Well, the next week it was about what happens when the Virgin Mary gets the good news. Yeah, that's so. So it's the Annunciation, contract. right? Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'm in my office and I'm writing this sermon about. The Annunciation, and I didn't even call it the Annunciation at that time. I'm just like, this is Luke 1, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing, and Luke 2, and whatever. So, so um, I'm, pre, I'm preparing this sermon, and as I'm in my office writing this sermon, every time I read anything about her, I just started to, like, become overwhelmed with emotion. Mm. And I started to tear up, and I felt like this incredible presence wow. with me as I was preparing this sermon, like so, something I'd never felt before. And it was all around her. And I remember talking to one of my Catholic friends at the time saying, I don't understand what's happening to me. But when I think about the Virgin Mary, when I'm reading about her in scripture, I read her words. I read the Magnificat. I read what Elizabeth says about her in the visitation. I read what happens when Gabriel comes to her. I said, I'm just being overwhelmed with this. Wow. That's so I get up and preach this sermon. And I'm quoting the church fathers about how Mary is the new Eve. She's the new Ark of the Covenant. She's the woman in Genesis 3.15, Revelation yeah. 12, you know, John 2. All, all of these things. Basically, I'm like preaching a sermon in my Methodist church about Roman Catholic apologetics. You know, yeah. I mean, I could have been like reading from Scott Hunter, or Tim Staples in this. I wasn't. This is just what I discovered in mm-hmm. those moments. And and the people in my church, you would have, people have, I've told that story a lot of times. People say, what did they say? Did you get in trouble? And you know what they did? They were like, I didn't present it as here's Catholicism. I just said, here's the Bible. And they were just like, whoa, we've never heard that before. That is yeah, amazing. No and people were like crying. It was crazy. It's powerful stuff. One guy came up and he just took, he just came up after the service and knelt down and just cried and prayed. And so for me, like I'm learning these truths. I never felt like I couldn't say anything I had learned from the scripture. But what I didn't get to say was I didn't really share with people, okay, I'm thinking about becoming Catholic until I was at that point. And that was a tough day. You know, when I, when I came home and I, I, I talked to my wife and the next day I went and I told my pastor, you know, I said, I, I got to resign because I'm really, I, I have to do this. And I know he was like, Keith, are you serious? You know, I mean, this is a big time in our church. We were just building a brand new $10 million facility that I got to help like design. Great things were happening in our local church. It was an incredible time. I loved the people there. I loved being there, you know, and I went before like our our church council that was in charge. And I told him, I said, guys, I've got to step out. I'm going to become Catholic. And they loved me and I loved them. And it was really hard. And, you know, I, I 
remember, you know, my last Sunday there in the church was our groundbreaking Sunday. Oh my god! We put we put shovels in it. We've been raising money for this building. We've been designing it for years. That would have been so hard. My last day was literally the day we put shovels in the ground and turned dirt. And I went from you could literally say the newest church in town because it was. Mm-hmm. I went from there to the oldest church in town. Wow. Because the church I joined is the oldest church in the world, of course, Catholic church, but also the oldest literal church building in our city is where I went. So wow. it, it was it was tough. And I had a lot of hard conversations with people because I mean, I didn't really get to stand up and say, okay, guys, here's what I'm doing, here's why. Because there were some things in our denomination that led to this. And my initial gut response, because I'm a human being, was to point at those problems and go, look, you know, here's all the problems with the, you know, the Methodist church and why I'm leaving and blah. But we, they were like, look, we don't want to anything to be hurtful. So we're just going to tell people that you felt like God was calling you to become a Catholic and they can deal with you personally if they want to. And I was okay with that. I'm yeah, like, that's fine. Sure. Which I have done many times. People, yeah. you know, I'm still friends with a lot of those guys, and yeah. and people, you know, I had a lot of conversations about that afterwards. But, um, you know, that's kind of a long answer to your question, but I think it's important because, yeah, yeah, I just want to, you know, give honor to where it's due. And they never told me you can't say that. That's that's really you know? beautiful. And yeah. that's that's a profound, again, like surrender to the movement of the Holy Spirit on the part of your pastor at the time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very beautiful because so many others would, you know, you've heard of would, would easily have been like, you can't talk about that here. Um, so that's, that's powerful. That's really beautiful that God was working in him to allow you to complete your journey that way. Yeah. Um, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and, and so, you know, you have this, this beautiful relationship with our mother, Mary. Yeah. Um, I, I saw online also that you, uh, part of your, your story was a pretty powerful experience uh, on pilgrimage. Yes. Could you talk about that a little bit? It sure. gets into territory that there might be some divisiveness in terms of the the topic of, uh, for example, Medjugorje, which is, right. I think, where you went. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to me, and I've talked about this on the show before, the, the most important thing in life, because there's no perfect person, there's no person, there's no... There's no pope that is so good mm-hmm. that there are never any issues with him and you can't trust what he says. I mean, look at what hap- what came out with John Paul II and and some of the priest scandals and how he allowed certain things to happen. You know, under his leadership, certain things were allowed to happen. Yeah. So are we supposed to discard the incredible work he did with theology of the body, whatever? Of course not. And in a similar way, there may be some dispute about something like Medjugorje. Yeah, sure. But look at the fruits that are coming out of it. And so let's look at a little bit of that in okay. your life. Yeah. So I got invited to go on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Um, way early in this whole process, I, I had just met that guy I was telling you about and we were, I was trying to make him a Protestant. He was trying to make me a Catholic and we would just get in each other's face and argue like crazy. <clears throat> well, he invited me to lunch one day to meet, a, to meet a guy and this guy's name's Greg. He invited me to go on this pilgrimage. I'd never met him before. We walked into this restaurant and he said, Keith, my daughter goes to your youth group. And I thought, oh man, he's, I'm in trouble. Cause he's going to be like, <laughs> you're corrupting my, my Catholic daughter in your youth group, you know, yeah. your Protestant youth group. He said, she has come alive in her faith. And I just wanted to tell you that we appreciate your ministry. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is That's okay. awesome. And he said, I'd like to invite you to go on an all expenses paid trip to Europe. We're going to go to Rome and we're going to go to a little place called Mejigoria where it's been reported that the Blessed Mother is appearing. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Rome, I'm in. Yeah. I didn't care about Medjugorje. I didn't care about any of that stuff. But I'm like, free trip. Yeah. So I went. And I was freaked out. You know, I was still very convinced that 
Protestantism was right. Catholicism was wrong. But I, I got I got invited on this trip. And I remember, here's what I learned on that trip. I learned that I saw for the first time Catholics worshiping Jesus through Mary. Interesting. In a way that, like, I, I that connected for me. It didn't seem heretical. It didn't seem heretical. And, you know, here's the deal. I've been to Medjugorje twice. Very important things have happened to me over there. And I, I love Medjugorje. But I'm I'm okay with whatever people want to, yeah. you know, if someone's like, no, I don't like it, you know, that's that. if, if they have a problem with it, I, I'm not, like, here to convert people to Medjugorje. Yeah. I'm here to convert people to Jesus, yeah. you know. So if someone's, like, anti-Medjugorje, I don't get into arguments with them about it. I'm like, that's okay. You can have that opinion. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm also, I cannot deny what, what I experienced there and what God has used that experience in both my life and my wife's life because she went with me we went back a second time a year after i was catholic my first year anniversary of catholic was was the day we arrived there for the second time and uh, my second time her first so those trips for me were were, were powerful so I, I saw people worshiping jesus through mary i'd never seen catholics worship like that before and it just it just really was powerful to me and then the second time that i went there that's where things really changed for my wife in terms of her own personal journey with catholicism she came back with me into the church you know i had to go through all this stuff to come into the church she just went to confession once because you know she was yeah, a cradle catholic right yeah but god really converted her heart to the catholic faith while we were there in a, in a pretty incredible way that's beautiful but it was over there in Mejigoria when we were leaving where god gave me kind of the next step in my ministry journey as a catholic when this idea for this book that i swore i'd never write a book it literally came into my brain just kind of like when they shoved that thing in the back of neo's head in the yeah, matrix and now yeah. he's like i know kung fu <laughs> like it was like oh i'm supposed to write a book i had the title i had everything in like an instant download and that was leaving Mejigori on the last day this literally came to me the and convert's I, guide yeah. to roman catholicism your first year in the church by keith nestor yeah that book literally just hit me out of nowhere and i i just had it man and yeah. I, I went away that winter with that was in October and I went away that winter and I wrote that book and I know that happened because I was there. It was incredible. Yeah. And I'm, you just gifted this to me and thank you so much. You're for welcome. This. I'm you're very welcome. excited to read it. And if you're interested, we're going to have the link to this in the show notes for sure. Um, and uh, also, I love the you got a great tattoo there on your arm. So I don't know how familiar you are, how familiar you are with um, kind of the history and and the the weird kind of political things uh, with the government in Medjugorje and, and the oh, weird yeah. dynamics. Sure, um, you know, uh, most recently they came out with this new edict, and this is kind of fresh breaking here uh, on some level. I have my my pulse. I, I got the pulse on on Medjugorje here. Um, most recently, the government there was was kind of. You know, the, the, it's been like this weird ebb and flow with the, you know, the relationship with like the pilgrims and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes making moves that are like, hey, this isn't ideal for people that want to be on a journey with Jesus. And, and most recently they were like putting a lockdown, a, a restriction on uh, whether or not people, uh, pilgrims coming into the, the country, into the cities, um, were allowed to enjoy uh, watching the Catholic Weird Stuff segment here on the Awakened Catholic Show. And then... Um, What's amazing, though, is is in all of her beauty and in all of her grace, uh, in one of the most recent apparitions, Mother Mary came forth and she said, I want my children to get to watch the Catholic Weird Stuff segment on the Awakened Catholic Show. So uh, we, of course, <laughs> wow. will, we, of course, will oblige uh, good Mother Mary. And so uh, let's get that started. Catholic Weird Stuff. I do, they do the things that they do. Let's learn some Catholic Weird Stuff. 
if you're feeling a little disoriented here, uh, don't feel bad. I do this to all of my guests. I find some weird way to introduce this segment. Today we're going to be talking about... All right. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the Latin Mass, and you may be thinking to yourself, "Golly gee, Nick, didn't you talk about the Latin Mass a few uh, a couple months ago?" And uh, you might be right if you think that. Uh, but you know, everyone's coming at it from everyone comes at everything from a slightly different perspective. Today, uh, Keith, you know, he shared with me that he loves the Latin Mass. Um, he and his family attend the Latin Mass uh, frequently. Yeah, my wife and I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so tell me about that. Like, why? what drew you to the Latin Mass? Why is that important? And, uh, yeah. Well, I was drawn to the Latin Mass not because I read some encyclical or some, you know, I didn't see a YouTube video. And I know it's kind of the thing right now. Um, none of that is what brought me to the Latin Mass. I didn't even know anything about it. Okay? So when I came into the Catholic Church, I didn't even know there was a Latin Mass. Okay? Our church happened to have one. That was at 7 a.m. in the morning, and for some crazy reason, we were traveling or something, and that was the one we had to go to because of our schedule. Mm. And actually, my wife went to it before I did with the kids, who my kids aren't Catholic, um, and but they went with her to it one time, and she said, yeah, I, went to, I was traveling. She's like, yeah, I went to the Latin Mass. I'm like, what was that like? She was like, it was weird, you know, but it was kind of, so I'm like, oh, I didn't know about that. What is that? I'll try it sometime. So... A couple of weeks later or whatever, I we decided to go, and I remember walking in just being completely blown away by the reverence in the in the room. And we, I go to a pretty reverent church. Our, our Novus Ordo Masses are pretty reverent. It's a great church. I love my parish. Um, but one of the things I had wrestled with when I became that transition between Catholic and Protestant was, you know, I love contemporary music and everything like that. But I sometimes struggle with some of the music stuff in the in the in the masses I was going to, and I wasn't I wasn't quite grooving on some of it all the time. And that was something I just sort of missed was connecting with God through music. No, yeah, you got a groove in the mass. Yeah, and uh, I know I was like, well, I just I just to me worship. I was a worship leader for a long time too, mm-hmm. and I, I I hadn't really. That part hadn't come alive for me at the Catholic Church. When we walked in to the to the Latin Mass, we we knelt down, and then we and then we started hearing the Gregorian chant and and the different, all of the different singing and the different way that that comes together, and it was just like another light went off in my brain, and I'm like, ooh, I love this. So I really I went. I don't know how many people say that, but I went to the I went to the Latin Mass at first for the music. Interesting and. As I was there, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. This is weird. Why do we sit, kneel, stand, all this stuff? Why Why is it quiet? Why is this? Which led my wife and I both on this quest for knowledge about it. Wow. And I remember one night we were at Adoration, because her and I go to Adoration on Friday nights. We just grabbed the missile, the Latin missile, because I didn't want to like have my nose in a book, the whole mass. I wanted to just be watching and trying to figure out what's going on. But at Adoration, we grabbed the missile and we read through it. We both read through it. And I remember on the way home, we looked at each other and I'm like, that was amazing. Oh, man. So then I started to learn more about it and understanding all the prayers and, and, the, and the, the why behind the what. And now I'm just like, I'm so in love with it. To me, it has, it has become this incredible worship experience far exceeding anything I'd ever gone through with, you know, even in my, my previous experience with all the cool contemporary worship stuff like that. I'll take a, uh, even a low mass. Yeah. With no music yeah. now over any other worship experience for me because I've just become so, so um, in love with the liturgy mm-hmm. and the meaning and all the prayers yeah. and the I, symbolism. I totally agree with it's you. Incredible. And it also, it, it kind of transforms what your like reason for being in mass is. You know, yes. it's like the music is almost like 
uh, on some level we we do we inherently do this thing where the music becomes for us yes. which is like ironic because the whole point is you're supposed to be worshiping through the hymns you're supposed to be like lifting that up to god but how often are we doing that um and it's a lot easier to not accidentally do it the wrong way if there isn't music yeah um and so and i'm not to say we're not neither of us is saying that music is bad or something it's just that you know like i i actually i've told you know people before i similarly prefer a silent mass um for the same reason like there's something so transcendent about the the stillness of that um and then all the more transcendent, you, you get the Gregorian chant and mm. the, the beautiful stuff that you get in the Latin mass. Like that is powerful stuff. Even even the chanting of the scriptures mm. in Latin, which I would have thought me years ago, I'd have been like, wow, that's dumb. Like yeah. nobody can understand it because we used to come from this mindset that church is about us and we're there to learn and we're there to be fed or whatever, and which of course we literally are. But one one of the things that I, that has come alive to me is how even the chanting of the scripture is a prayer, an act of worship to God. And when I started to understand that more, that changed the way I worship. Whether I go to the the Latin Mass or the Novus Ordo, it changed how I worship. I'm recognizing that. Look, even if the music's bad, who cares? It's about we are there offering ourselves up to God, and it's a beautiful thing. But to me, experiencing that in Latin just caused me to ask so many questions to which the answers just have blown my mind. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Uh, There's your Catholic Weird Stuff segment for today. If you haven't gone to a Latin Mass, if you're like me and you've never been to a Latin Mass, let's fix that together soon. I'm not saying we have to go to Mass together. We might not live near each other, but let's do it. I'm going to commit myself. Do it. I'm going to do it. I'm really Come excited. to mind anytime you want. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit of a trek. It is. Iowa, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, I will go to Latin Mass with you. Oh, you have to. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Keith, a couple of things I want to talk about with you uh, in this final segment. Uh, one, let's talk about your rosary ministry. Sure. So, what is, what's the name of the rosary crew? The rosary crew. The rosary crew. What is that about? Talk to me. How did that start? What is it? Oh, man. So, basically... The Rosary Crew was another one of those God things that I never planned, that I never would have thought of in a million years. I never, I could have seen myself like preaching, giving talks, because that's what I did, you know. But praying the Rosary, if you would have told me that's what you'd be doing as a Catholic, I thought, you're crazy. Um, I had returned from giving a talk at a church in Louisiana in the first part of March 2020. On the way home is when the pandemic started shutting the world down. Oh, my gosh. Okay? So I had all this ministry stuff set up for 2020. I had quit my job at the end of February 2020 and said, I want to do ministry full-time now because <laughs> stuff was starting to, like, I was starting to get opportunities to speak yeah. and, and different things, and I was trying to to, to um, do stuff with the book. So I, I kind of saw a little path forward with everything, and then, of course, everything shuts down. Everything's canceled. We have nothing. We went from having a full year of stuff to nothing, like everybody else just like that. And I went to mass on the way out. I thought to myself, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a little live stream. They're shutting down the whole world. I just want to check in with people on YouTube to see, you know, how they're doing. So I, I do this little thing. I go on there. Hey, everybody, how's it going? So this is March 18th, 2020. And someone in the chat said, Hey, we should pray the rosary on your channel during this two week shutdown. Wow. Remember that? 14 oh, days to yeah, slow yeah, spread? Exactly. And we're, I thought... We're done with that now, right? I, well, kind of, you know. <laughs> but I was... I'd never led the rosary before. I, I'd been asked to. I always said no, because I'm like, I don't mess this up, you know? This yeah, thing. yeah. And I know how, people, how passionate people are about it. I'd been praying it for a while, privately. But I thought, I can suck this up and do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So the next day, I went on and did a live stream. And there was a few people that showed up, and we 
prayed the rosary. I'm sure I messed it up. I probably did it wrong. You can probably still go back and find it. <laughs> and then we just kept doing it from there, from there. And this little online community began to form. And long story short, we celebrated our one-year anniversary on March 19th, I think, of this year. And we have people, we've done it every single day wow. since March 19th or 18th, uh, uh, 2020. Um, and it's the Feast of St. Joseph, I think, so it's the 19th. And it's become incredible. We have thousands of people every day that join us to pray the rosary. We do it live at 5 Central every single day. I live stream wherever I am in the world. Yeah. I am live streaming at that time. And we've got people in 72 countries, I think was the last count. There's a lady wow. in Singapore who keeps track of where everybody's from. That's so, so she cool. asks everybody when they show up in the chat, where do you live? And she keeps a list. And so it's it's kind of taken over our lives, yeah. you know, Nick, because literally, like, we, we've never taken a day off. Like, we, there was one day where I was in the middle of nowhere, so somebody from Canada filled in and, and did it for wow. me. But we do this every day, and it's become the center of everything. And so now what's happened is as the Rosary Crew has begun to grow, um, we've started traveling. And we sold our photography studio, and we bought an RV. And now, like, when I have speaking events— we, instead of flying airplanes, we just hit the road, and we have people all over the country who have said, hey, come pray with us at these towns. They're called road captains, and we just make our way from place to place, and we pray the rosary. That's why we're here. I mean, yeah, right. we're, 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 we're on a way. I'm giving a talk in, in, a, in a church in Bay Village tomorrow night, and we're stopping in Defiance um, to pray the rosary with some people. Yesterday, we were in Chicago. After that, we're going to be in, um, in Steubenville and different places, and, and it's just this incredible thing. This community has formed. People are being brought into the church through it. People are being brought back to the. I mean, we're seeing miracles almost every day. I get a message from somebody who said, I just found my way into the Rosary Crew and it has literally transformed my life. Wow. Yeah. How, I mean, it's, it's so amazing that like the Rosary, like you, you know, I was a cradle Catholic and then I left the church later, but you know, you, you grow up with, as a Catholic, you start to kind of take some of those types of things for granted. Um, these sacramentals, like, like the, even the rosary itself, but, but then the prayer of the rosary, it's like one of those things, oh, my parents are making me pray rosary yeah. again, you know, um, or my Catholic schools making me pray rosary again. But like, it, it's so interesting to me because everything in our faith is just like bursting at the seams with power. Yes. The sacraments obviously. Yeah. But then even like these prayers, these beautiful ancient traditional prayers, like there's so much power in the Catholic church and, and the rosary can be so powerful, but there's something at a cultural level that has happened in the last several decades, last maybe within the last century where stuff just started to gradually get watered down. So mm -hmm. stuff started to become too familiar, become too uh, of this world in the way it was being done, in the way it was being talked about, and we lose sight of the transcendence and the power and, and just, I mean, these, you know, sacramentals, like the rosary itself, you hold that in your hand, like if you're, if you are, are well-formed and you're, you're in a life of prayer, like you put that thing in your hand and it like, it takes you to another place. Like it, it takes you into this, this spiritual chapel in your heart. Um, if you're looking for that, right? Yeah. Like if, if you, if, if to you, it's just a, a rope with beads on it, like whatever, but like, it, it's like a throwaway thing. Hopefully mm -hmm. you're not throwing it away. Um, but I just think it's so powerful. The, the witness that you're giving with this ministry and the connection that it's, it's creating for so many people. Um, you know, you were telling me before we did the episode about how like entire cities worth of, of Catholics who are totally disconnected will come together for one of your uh, rosary crew gatherings and 
they come together and they've been praying together all along through the live streams and then they come together at one of these events and it's like this huge connection point where it's like our holy mother is bringing her children together through the rosary crew that you created like this is it's so profound to me um and, and then the miracles that you're talking about like I, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> let me let me tell you one quick story. Yeah. I, I was this is and this is you know very early on into the Rosary Crew, um, a young woman reached out to me who was feeling called to join the Catholic Church, but comes from a Protestant background. A lot of lot of fallout in her life over this, and she was kind of connected with this church. And I asked her where she's from. You know, we were talking, and I just said, but she was she was really alone, like really alone, and. I said, where are you from? She told me where she was from. So I just went on my 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 um, little Facebook page. You know, I didn't have a ton of followers or anything like that. And I just said, hey, is anybody here from this particular area? And it turns out there were three people from her parish in the rosary crew with her <laughs> praying every day. Wow. And they didn't even know about it. That's amazing. They didn't know they were praying every day and that they're from the same town. And they're praying with this guy from Iowa. And then they got connected and it was this incredible community for her that took wow. place. And it just, they happened to all be praying together. It was, it was incredible. And just think about, like, looking at that example and all the many other examples of things like that, both known to you and unknown to oh, you. Oh, I'm sure there's way more that are unknown. Think about all of that and the fact that it all kind of comes to this fork in the road that you had. Yeah, and if you had not said yes, if you had clung to your identity as a Protestant preacher, if you had clung to the security of knowing that you had yeah. a way to pay your bills and provide for your family by being a Protestant preacher, if you had clung to that and not said yes to God, not said yes to releasing what was known to you to embrace the unknown, all of those stories, the ones we've talked about, the ones we haven't talked about, the ones you don't even know about, of, of the amazing things that are happening through the Rosary Crew— you know, whatever ways in which this book is impacting people's lives, the ways in which the content, um, the formative content that you create for your YouTube channel uh, on different topics and the guest conversations you have, the way that that has impacted people. Kevin, who is on our team, said that he shared one of your videos with, with his wife when he was trying to convince her that they should become Catholic. Like all of these incredible things come down to this fundamental moment where you had to decide, you had to say yes. And I just think that's so profound. Like, how many things in my life do I not say yes oh. to? Day to day. It can, it can seem like smaller things, but there's this rippling effect. We actually, we just kind of uh, talked about Back to the Future before the episode, those three movies. Oh, yeah. Man, I want to prepare content around those three movies. And mm. I feel like I'm not allowed to because there's a whole show dedicated to pop culture catechism on our show called Pop Culture Catechism uh, addressing those things. But, man, there's so much there to dive into on so many levels. But one of the huge takeaways I had after watching the trilogy again of Back to the Future was how profound the smallest little thing is in the way that it has this echoing butterfly effect throughout all of history that follows it. Or all of the future that follows it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, the the slightest little change that they make has this massive impact on on what follows um, for generations. And I just think in my own life, right? Like, what are those things? And what are the things today that I'm not going to say yes to that that God puts in front of me? And maybe it's not obvious to me that it's God. And and so I, I just think we should be praying for constantly a docility of spirit. To, to answer those calls. Sometimes it's this huge fork in the road where it's a life-changing, career-changing thing, 
And sometimes it's something super subtle and super discreet that doesn't seem like it's going to be that important or that have that much weight to it, but that still has this massive impact. Um, and whether it's greeting someone that you might see in the store and greeting them with a smile, which right now no one would be able to see, um, but you know, like we don't know what challenges people are facing. We don't know what difficulty they have. Depression, um, especially in this era right now with COVID, like the depression rates have skyrocketed. So who who in the store, statistically speaking, if the depression rates are so severe, there are people in the store with you that are super depressed. What are you going to do to be Christ to them? What are you going to do to show them that they matter to someone, even if it's a stranger? Um, and I just think that even if it's not in our lives that we see the impact of these little moments of yes or no, like there might be this huge impact you could have on someone else's life and never know about that impact. But maybe your kindness saves someone from killing themselves. Maybe your kindness saves someone from lashing out at their kids because you calmed their spirit by being kind to them. You know, like who knows? Uh, but but I just, there's so much incredible stuff happening with this rosary crew and it all comes down to this initial yes. And then all the yeses that came subsequently. I was, I was thinking about all the yeses that other people said before that too, because I didn't do this on my own. And, you know, I I was thinking about, about an experience I had when with the rosary, it was interesting. I was, I was starting to pray it on my own. This is before the rosary crew started. And I noticed in my church, we had this little um, announcement that said, there are these people that pray the rosary every night with this, this, they have this blessed mother statue. I think it's like from Fatima or something like that. And they just bring it around to different houses for, mm-hmm. per week. And I, I noticed it was on my, on my street this particular week. And I thought, you know what? I don't know anybody. I'm just going to walk down the street and pray the rosary with these people because they live on my street and I want to do it. And I don't know anybody. So I walk down, I, I knock on the door and this, this, this older lady answers the door. And she invites me to her house. There's like four people there. They're all probably over the age of 70, okay? But it didn't matter because we were there to pray the rosary. And, I mean, we would have never been put in the same small group at any, you know, mega church in the world. Right. But there we were praying the rosary. And she asked me, she said, she said, okay, so tell me your, your name. And then we got done. And she said, by the way, I want you to know something. She said, I've been praying for you for a year. <laughs> I, this is the first time I ever met her. Oh, my god! And I said, how is that possible? And she said, my mother is friends with your friend, Greg, the one who brought me to Medjugorje the oh first time. Oh, my gosh. She said, and he told her, her mother, he told her to pray for my friend Keith, who's a pastor in Cedar Rapids, that's our town, who's thinking about becoming Catholic. And my mom called me and said, hey, there's this guy in Cedar Rapids who's thinking about becoming Catholic. His name's Keith. You need to pray for him. And she said, well... He needs to come meet my priest. She tells her mom to tell Greg to meet this priest. He calls me, says, you need to meet this priest. He meets with him first, says, you need to meet this guy. I go meet with him, and he's the priest that walked me, that held my hand walking me through. I wouldn't be Catholic if it weren't for this man. Oh, my goodness. And then that was it, right? I show up at the house. That's her. (laughs) She lives down the street from my house. Never met her, never, whatever. So, so. He said yes to ask his, her, this old lady in the church who's a prayer warrior. She's a living saint. She said yes to tell her daughter, who said yes to host the rosary, who said yes to pray for me, and then connect the dots to get the priest, which helped me to come into the church. I mean, there's so many things like that. The Holy Spirit and, and is alive. You, you're right when you say we don't even see yeah. 
the half of it, which I think is important to understand this. This is why Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you oh, and you will bear fruit, fruit that will last. But that's wow. only, that's connected to our remaining in Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is not, here are your marching orders, go do them. Right. I'm going to sit up in heaven and look down and wait for you to mess up and smash your face when you don't. Right. Right. And if you do it good, I'm going to give you a little gold star. That's not how Jesus is. Jesus says, look, here's what we got going on. Come with me, remain in me, stay just behind me and I'll lead you. Pick up your cross, follow me. Right. We got, but we have to stay connected to him because he sees bigger and farther than what we could ever see. And if we'll follow him and remain in him, then that fruit comes. But we, we sometimes we think that our best fruit's going to come when we're just like, all right, give me the ball. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, no, your best fruit is when you stick with me. And then everything that you do is through his power, not your own. Wow. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. That, that's a powerful note. That's a powerful note to end on, I think. That, I mean, that's such a profound, like, guys, remain in Jesus. I want to remain in Jesus. I know Keith's doing his best. Um, you're, you're doing some beautiful things Thank for the church. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And you. I really appreciate that you guys came out here and that oh, you dude, got to spend we, this time together. We love it. I mean, when you when you messaged me and said, hey, I mean, that's just kind of how we roll. It's yeah. like, all right, we can do that. Let's do it. We'll figure it out and yeah. we go. You know, we yeah. like to be with people. So we, you know, God. if we can, we yeah. do. Well, now we're going to break some bread together. All right. Uh, I'm we're excited. Gonna, we're going to have some lunch. Guys, thank you so much for sticking with us here at the Awakened Catholic Show. This has been Keith Nestor. I have been Nick Delatore, and this has been... The definitive Awakened Catholic show. Uh, Just one thing I want you to know before you go. Jesus loves you. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.